Welcome and good morning. And this is, I say this all the time, I know, but this is such a great view. <laughs> seeing all of you, seeing the kids off to their Nova classes. Uh, great to be here. It's a beautiful day. I'm glad you are worshiping here with us here in person, in the room, outside at our outdoor venue and those online through the live stream as well. We have just finished up a series on the faithful servants listed in Hebrews chapter 11. And the last message last week leading us into the first few verses from Hebrews chapter 12. And there we're reminded about being surrounded by a great cloud of witnesses, it said, and also exhorted to consider him so that we will not grow weary and lose heart. And that him being mentioned is, of course, Jesus Christ. In Hebrews 12, we're reminded about and encouraged by the person and work of Jesus. And the whole book of Hebrews really is about Jesus. The writer sets out to show who Jesus is, what he's accomplished for salvation, and he walks us through a number of concepts that at first, they, they can kind of sound deeply theological. Things like incarnation, salvation, omniscience, resurrection and eternal judgment, just and justice, covenants, holiness, redemption, sacrifice of atonement, lots of ideas, sometimes big sounding words or phrases, but there's a reason for this, especially when it comes to Jesus. Because we, <clears throat> excuse me, because we don't just want to study about Jesus' sacrifice. We want our theology, which really just means a study of God, we want our theology to directly affect our attitudes and our actions and not just give us things to think about or ponder in our heads. And too often, there's a lot of us that we, we look at theology and doctrine as something separate from our daily life. And we hear those words and phrases and maybe other ones, even maybe a little simpler, but like grace and mercy. And we think of these scholarly definitions that we're supposed to remember and know. But the truth is that the application of biblical theology has life-changing effects, and it should. And take the atonement, for example, the last one I mentioned in that list of big words and phrases. Jesus' sacrifice of atonement. And this refers, simply put, to what Jesus Christ has done for us and accomplished for us. To pay the penalty for our sin. To set things right and reconcile us into a right relationship with God so that we can be back in a right relationship with God. This atonement, it impacts our outlook on life the way we relate to God, the way we relate to each other. And the way we relate to God and one another, it's important, it matters. And today I wanna ask, what matters to you? Don't answer out loud, but think about that for just a second. And today we're gonna jump into another important passage, one that I think is very important from the text also of the book of Hebrews. It's found in Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, and you can put your finger there, turn to that in your Bible or on your device. Uh, also, the main passages for today are included in the sermon notes as well, which can be found on our website or through the Nova Community Church app. But Hebrews chapter 10, verses 19 through 25, and I'll read that for us now. Therefore, brothers and sisters, since we have confidence to enter the most holy place by the blood of Jesus, by a new and living way open for us through the curtain that is his body. And since we have a great priest over the house of God, let us draw near to God with a sincere heart 
and with the full assurance that faith brings, having our hearts sprinkled to cleanse us from a guilty conscience, and having our bodies washed with pure water. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we profess, for he who promised is faithful. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. Hebrews 10, 19 through 25. God's words for us, for you and I. The author of Hebrews builds on the truth of the atonement. And again, that just is a big word that refers to what Jesus has done for us. The author builds on that truth and he encourages us. Today we'll touch on three encouragements from this text out of Hebrews chapter 10. And let's begin with the first. Because what Jesus has done for us encourages us to draw near to God with confidence. That's the first encouragement. I'm guessing there's a lot of people in our world today that don't necessarily think they can draw near to God. They probably think the opposite, actually. And I was thinking a little bit about this. Maybe it's because they view God as distant, right? He gets called the man upstairs. He's this detached CEO who very rarely takes any time to come down and interact and connect with his employees. And viewing God this way, it identifies his power, but it leaves very little room for personal connection and relationship. It actually invites fear, not confidence. And when we see ourselves in light of only God's power and perfection, we're kind of like Adam and Eve were in the garden when they hid from God after they sinned. And even now, a lot of people are doing that. They're just trying to stay off the radar. They live life just trying to slide by to not do anything to draw attention to themselves. But this is not the kind of relationship that God desires to have with the people he created. When Adam and Eve hid in the garden, did God give up on them? Of course not. Even after they sinned, God came and sought them out. And he declared that their sin would not have the final word. And his salvation would reverse the fear that was caused by that sin. And it would lead them back into relationship. In the very first part of our passage, the very first word actually, we'll take a look real quick at that. I think the first thing to notice is that the passage begins with the word, therefore. And as Pastor Dean mentioned last week from a different passage, that word, therefore, it's a connecting word. It kind of bridges one thing to another. I also remember something I was taught years ago, especially with related to the Bible. But, but whenever you see a therefore, we're supposed to look to see what it's there for. But it's true. And in this particular case, the author of Hebrews is giving us some application now in chapter 10 based on things that have already been discussed throughout the previous nine and a half chapters of, of this letter. And so what is it that's been said? Well, here's some of the things. If we move backwards from Hebrews 10 and we read through these different things, we're going to find it, it's a message for a Jewish audience. Makes sense with a letter titled to the Hebrews. The message shows how the Old Testament rituals and practices were only a shadow of what God is going to do through his Messiah, through Jesus Christ. The author contrasted the animal sacrifice to the sacrifice of Jesus. The author also contrasted the role of the high priest 
with the role of Jesus. And Jesus is esteemed and lifted up as the once-for-all sacrifice that abolished sin's power through his blood. And he is the great and perfect high priest who met God's righteous demand. It's pretty awesome. But there's more. Earlier in the book of Hebrews, we hear about and we learn about the Day of Atonement, the most holy place in the temple, the Ark of the Covenant, the mercy seat, and the great curtain is mentioned that separated the most holy place from the rest of the temple because only the high priest could enter and be with God. But according to the author of Hebrews, the death of Jesus ushered in a new era. We know that at the moment Jesus died, the curtain separating the most holy place was split from top to bottom. We actually can read about that also in Matthew chapter 27. Jesus, the high priest, offered himself as the final sacrifice. The curtain was removed. The barrier is gone. And do you realize that his removal of the curtain now communicates the availability of a relationship with God? We can draw near to God. The author of Hebrews says to do so with confidence. What Jesus has done, this atonement, it changes the posture we now have between us and God. We don't have to hide anymore. What Jesus has done, it's a game changer. God is not just some cosmic judge who's out there and up there and unapproachable. He's not like judges in a modern-day courtroom because if you think about it, in a courtroom, no one's allowed to approach the judge of their own will. Even the lawyers have to ask, right? May I approach the bench? They have to have permission to do that. But now with Jesus, everything has changed and we can draw near to God. And that's exactly what we're encouraged to do in verse 22, which says, let us draw near to God. And we can do so with the confidence the author mentions back in verse 19. So we're to draw near to God with confidence. That's the first encouragement. Next, number two, we're encouraged to hold unswervingly to God's promises. The very next verse of our passage for today continues. Hebrews 10, verse 23. Let us hold unswervingly to the hope we professed, for he who promised is faithful. Our Christian hope is not just in future events, but it's in the God who holds the future. We even just sung about that in two of our songs this morning. I know he holds the future in his hands. And we need to cling to that confession of our hope. And we need to cling to Jesus. And this hope, this idea should be crucial to the daily lives of Christians. You see, God is faithful to keep his promises. And he has promised new life. And now if God's promises were dependent on you or dependent on me, it would probably be over already. <laughs> But we can hold on to God's promises because they don't depend on us. They depend on Him. And so what matters? J-E-S-U-S. And I know it sounds like that's the Sunday school answer, right? Because the Sunday school answer is always Jesus. But in all honesty, it is all and always about Jesus. And we need to stop making it about other things. And I need to stop making it about me, which I'm very good at doing. And I need to hold on to his promises 
because he is faithful. I remembered a line, a lyric, if you will, in a popular worship song by Matt Redman called The Heart of Worship, and maybe you know it. But the song has a lyric that says, I'm sorry, Lord, for the thing that I've made it because it's all about you. It's all about you, Jesus. And I need to stop making it about me. Our only hope is in God. It's not in Adam. It's not in my family. It's not in my friends. And it's important to focus on God's faithfulness. That's something that matters. And I think our passage from Hebrews today moves quickly into another thing that matters. So we're to draw near to God with confidence. We're to hold unswervingly to God's promises. And now we're to encourage one another in love and good deeds. That's the third encouragement here. And I want to camp here for a bit today because this is important. And here's where I might take a slightly different angle or approach, but stick with me. And here we go. Let me start with another rhetorical question. Please don't answer out loud. Do you need to go to church? Do you need to be here at church? A few years ago, a book came out titled, They Like Jesus, But Not the Church. And the book included interactions with people expressing discontent with the church. And their problem, they said, was not with Jesus, but with Christianity as an organized religion. And this mentality, it's fairly prevalent among a lot of people who don't regularly gather with fellow church members. And a lot of people excuse their lack of participation by saying something along the lines of, I don't have to go to church to be a Christian. And the reaction to church as an organization, I think, it's connected to the mistake that a lot of people make in equating church with a building or in equating church with just our services on Sundays. But here in Hebrews chapter 10, here's a place where the Bible challenges this perspective. Here we are encouraged to not dismiss gathering together with other believers in community. Now, the issue is not whether a person can become a Christian or whether somebody can be saved apart from a church. That's not really what it's getting at. But it's whether a person can be faithful to the teachings of Jesus apart from some involvement in a local community, a local body of believers, what we call a church. And remember, this is part of the application of the truth of atonement in Scripture in the book of Hebrews. Hebrews 10, 19 began with, therefore, the next verses encourage us with what to do. So this is a part of what we're being told to do because of what Jesus has done for us. So take a look now at how Hebrews continues this application of the truth of the atonement in verses 24 and 25. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds, not giving up meeting together as some are in the habit of doing, but encouraging one another and all the more as you see the day approaching. One of, I know it's only one of, but one of the greatest accomplishments of what Jesus has done for us included the formation of a new people. The New Testament authors refer to this new people as God's church. Most metaphors of the church that we find in Scripture have a distinctly relational feel. 
I jotted some down. The church is the bride of Christ, joined to Jesus in a very personal way. This metaphor signifies the intimacy of our relationship with the Savior. The church, it's the family of God, made up of brothers and sisters who are adopted as children of God, the Bible says. The church is the body of Christ, united together by God, serving one another and experiencing joys and sorrows, all as one body. Even comparisons to the church as a building, in Scripture there's the church as the temple of God. Even those comparisons, they do mention interlocking stones that rely upon one another to stand up and stand firm. And you may remember that not too long ago, here at Nova, we had an entire sermon series built around these ideas, the different scriptural metaphors that describe God's church. And this is where we see an important connection between individual Christians and the collection of believers that make up God's church. No individual is supposed to do life with God disconnected from the church as a whole. We are designed for community. And community requires relationship. Church gatherings are one of the ways that God has set apart his people for the encouragement of love and good works. And the members of the early church, they were looking to be connected into community. They knew their existence was not just for their benefit, but for the benefit of those around them. The identifying mark of the church given by Jesus himself in John chapter 13 is this. A new command I give you, love one another. As I have loved you, so you must love one another. And by this, everyone will know that you are my disciples if you love one another. John 13, verses 34 and 35. These early Christians were committed to a way of life that showed the world they took the teachings of Jesus seriously. And they committed themselves to one another through love and through good deeds. Fulfilling the command of Jesus to love one another indicates that followers of Jesus should be a distinctive community. And this is something important. It's something that matters. If we are to spur one another on to love and good deeds, as Hebrews talks about, we must conclude that we need one another. After all, there's no spurring on one another without one another. The church is important because it's God's community. The local church, it's a vehicle through which the gospel is displayed in both word and in deed. The local church, it's a representation of the body of Christ, one with him in spirit and in purpose. When people see the church, they should see a reflection of the God that we are set apart to represent. And what I'm trying to say and hammer home is God's church matters. Church is not just one more thing on my list. The church is not a building. It is God's people. And there's no greater time than right now for us to be the church. And I would say this to any local body of believers, not just us here at Nova. And I know Maybe I'm coming across as meddling just a little bit. But being here and being involved in community matters. Don't think it doesn't. And please don't think this doesn't apply to you. Now I do have to take a moment here and really clarify a couple of things. 
I'm not talking about or to those who cannot be here. People who are sick or injured or homebound or otherwise unable to be here. Let me be very clear. This is not something directed at you. I'm not talking about those who are traveling either for work or for leisure. Everyone needs a break. Everyone needs a vacation. Even I'll have times when I'm not going to be here, and I'm one of the pastors. (laughs) So let me be very clear. If you're traveling, if you're on vacation, enjoy that. Get your work done. This is not directed at you. There are so many reasons that someone might not be able to be here. Maybe they have to work. Maybe they're caring for somebody else who is ill. Or something unexpected happens. It could even be a flat tire on the way here. And the list goes on and on. And I want to clarify that none of this at all is meant in any way whatsoever to be a condemnation. Because the writer of Hebrews is not condemning anybody. Or putting anyone down. Or trying to make anybody feel bad. Rather, this is meant as an encouragement using the very same words from Hebrews chapter 10 that we should not give up meeting together as it says some are in the habit of doing. The encouragement is to be a part of something, to be engaged and connected and not just observing. Not making the church like another one of those Zoom meetings where I really don't have to be involved. You know, I can just put up the photo of myself. I don't even have to be live on camera, right? And I don't have to engage with anybody, but they'll see that I'm there. Anybody ever done that? I've done that. Um, We are encouraged when it comes to God's church not to do that, to not give up meeting together, not to make that our habit. And again, I want to be clear, if you're unable to be connected in person, that is very, very different. That's not what this is getting at at all. And if you're worshiping with us online, I don't know which of the couple cameras is looking at me right now, but... That's awesome, and I love it. But my my encouragement for you also is to still find new ways all the time to engage with God, to engage with God's Word, and to engage with God's people. As a matter of fact, if you're watching online, I want you to do something to engage with me right now. If you're online, either watching this live or later, I want you to do something. I want you to send me an email directly to me. Put the word engage, E-N-G-A-G-E. Put the word engage in the subject line. My email address, it's my name, Adam Duchin, A-D-A-M, D D as in David, U-C-H-I-N as in Nancy, at novachurch.org. Adam Duchin at novachurch.org. If you're watching online, I want to encourage you to engage right now. Send me an email. doesn't have to be long. Put engage in the subject line. Just say a little something, but also let me know who you are, especially if your email address is not your name. Otherwise, I won't know who's emailing me. And and then we'll try to engage and connect. This afternoon, I'll try to reply to all those emails. Just something to do to engage right now. Do you know that all of the one another, as we call them, commands that we see in the scriptures in the New Testament They imply involvement in community. I listed some of these out for for us today. Love one another. 
be devoted to one another, pray for one another, build up one another, greet one another, care for one another, comfort one another, accept one another, encourage one another. And I know I didn't get them all. What can this look like in our community? I may not have a specific answer for that. In fact, that's because the answer is going to morph and it's going to grow and it's going to change and tweak over time. But through the atonement, God has made the way, one way for us to be adopted into his family, and that's through Jesus Christ. It is his faithfulness, faithfulness, excuse me, that matters, and his faithfulness that gives us confidence to hold on to his promises. And that faithfulness extends to a very special group of people, his church. Sometimes the greatest blessing of a Christian community is realizing that we are part of something greater than our own individuality. And I know that goes against what our culture tells us this day. It's the have it your way mentality. But that's different with the church of God. And in these moments, we can be aware of the grace that binds and brings us together as one another, as brothers and sisters in Christ. And I would encourage you as you go from this place today to think back over Hebrews and look at this and think through what matters. Maybe you do need to change something. I don't know. So you or your family can be connected and engaged more regularly. I don't know what that will look like. That's going to be different for each one of us. But I do know there are so many ways to get involved and to be connected and to be engaged here at NOVA. We've got all kinds of ministries that you can serve in. Nursery, preschool, kids, youth, feeding the hungry, laundry love, our pop-up food collections and our food distributions. We have all kinds of teams here at NOVA, like our worship teams and our sound and tech and our video and our setup teams. We have NOVA hosts. We have our prayer team. You can also get involved in one of our small groups or the NOVA classes. And for small groups, some of them meet in person. Some of them are meeting online or virtually. Some of them right now I know are on our summer break, usually during July and August, but some are still meeting. For our NOVA classes, they meet after our worship service. And we have classes for all ages, from preschool all the way up through adults. There's a bunch of activities throughout the summer and also all throughout the year here at NOVA all year long. Softball's been happening for a few weeks. And if you don't play, you can still come and be a part of that and sit and cheer on one of the teams. We have three teams playing this year. We've got VBS coming up in just over a week. We've got our upcoming backyard campout. You can sign up today. Nova at the Beach begins this Tuesday. And there's probably lots of other things that I missed also, but there are so many ways to get connected and get involved and be involved in the life of this local church. Nova is an amazing place. It's an awesome body of believers, and every one of you is a part of that. And that's encouraging. I read something once in a blog that speaks to this idea I wanted to share. We live in a mobile culture, which sometimes isolates us. We who create personas on the web, who perfect our hiding, may find attaching ourselves to a local church frightening. And yet, God calls us there, warts and all. 
He calls us to covenant together with other Jesus disciples to messy our lives with people we may not hang out with normally. In that beautiful community, we learn the art of loving each other and showing the world outside our circle just who Jesus is. Take part. Get involved. Stay involved. Don't give up. Make God's community a priority. It's more important than you think. Jump right in. Let yourself get dirty and real and messy with other people who are also willing to get dirty and real and messy. And do life together with people who love God and love each other. I think somebody once talked about those being the greatest commandments, to love God and to love each other. Be the church and watch what happens. Watch what happens. It may not always be pretty. It may not always be fun. It may not always be easy, but the world will be changed one life at a time. And let us consider how we may spur one another on toward love and good deeds. Amen?